From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples, bringing you the Florida State, North Carolina preview podcast. And this is a podcast that I am unusually prepared to discuss due to the fact that I happen to cover both of these teams. So uh, this is one where I'm actually doing this podcast with no notes. Why not? Because there's not a whole lot of reason to, to, to think about a whole lot other than what I've seen and spent the whole season looking at with both teams. So before we move on any further, I want to thank EPR Creations for their sponsorship of this show. As always, if you need any sort of website development or online marketing, EPR Creations is the place to go. Their information's in the show notes. So North Carolina, we're going to start on the North Carolina offense versus Florida State defense side of things, because honestly, that's where the worst news is for Florida State. And that is that a week after giving up 353 yards rushing against Notre Dame, Florida State is playing a rushing attack that might be better than Notre Dame's. Uh, I think they've got a running back, the, the running backs at North Carolina, the, the pair that they're going to throw out there on the field and Michael Carter and Javante Williams I think are better running backs than what Notre Dame has out on the field. And while Notre Dame's offensive line is one of the two or three best in the country, uh, North Carolina is not that far behind. There, there, there is a little bit more weakness on the offensive line for Carolina than, than at, at Notre Dame, but it's a, it's, it's a really talented group, uh, particularly on the right side. Uh, where they Marcus McKeithen, the right guard, is 6'7", 330, and you wouldn't know it to look at him unless you're in person, and then you realize that that is a gigantic man. And Jordan Tucker, outside him at right tackle, is 6'7", 335. Both of those guys are going to play in the NFL, and they're just huge men. And you think about it, William Barnes, those of you who, who uh, have paid attention to Florida State recruiting for a long time, William Barnes was one of Florida State's top targets on the offensive line a couple years ago was a, uh, I think top five at his position recruit for North Carolina and Barnes is a backup at North Carolina. He would almost certainly be starting at Florida state. He's backup at North Carolina and, and really doesn't see the field very much. And his teammate, Ed Montillas, who is another guy that from the same high school at, uh, Apopka, who Florida State was also somewhat interested in. I don't actually know if they offered him or not, but they should have. He was a guy that I'm pretty sure they offered, and Florida wanted him. He's also not a starter. So you're looking at guys that Florida State and Florida wanted, everybody wanted, and they're not starting at North Carolina right now on the offensive line. This is a very good offensive line. Uh, and then their best player, their best their best offensive lineman is Joshua Zudu, who just came back from... He was he had an injury that kept him out the first couple weeks, first couple games. He just came back against Virginia Tech, and you could see the difference. He's a guy he might go as high as a first round. He's he's their left guard. He also is the backup left tackle. Also, sometimes they'll just bring him on at left tackle just just because he can he can play that position really well. But he's a guy that he's 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 got a chance. He's a sophomore. He's got a chance that by the time he finishes, he he might go as high as the first round. Very very talented at six four three twenty five. I mean, they are huge. Uh, the The real potential weaknesses on the offensive line, they got a true sophomore, Seam Richards, uh, at 6'4", 305 at the, at the left tackle, and he's still young. Uh, that 305 is a light 305. He was 280 last year and, and put on some weight to get there. But again, he's not a, a real weakness at that spot. He just has not been... He, he's, still, he's still learning to play the position. He's a puppy, and... 
talented though. And and that's that's basically where they're at. And then their center is not as strong as the other guys. He's a guy that that if you put a zero technique over him, you know, you put a Lovett or a uh, uh, a Marvin Wilson or a, or a Cooper over him, he'll get pushed back at times, but also moves really well and and is reliable in the snapping game and as a center. And when he's surrounded by the the Giants next to him, that's less of an issue for them. So. A uh, little bit of a weakness at center, but overall that offensive line is really good. And then you have that pair of running backs that's as good as any in the country. Michael Carter, 5'8", 199, uh, you know, 200-pound guy. Uh, really a more of a speed guy and uh, has enough power to run through tackles, can take you know contact even to the lower body, but more of a more of a true speed type type running back. And then Javante Williams is the thumper. It's the thunder, thunder and lightning type thing. He's a 220 pound guy. And I think he's one of the best backs in the country, even though he's not actually technically number one on their depth chart. He's going to be a guy. I think he's going to be a starting running back in the NFL. Uh, and, and I think he'll probably go pro after this year and be a top three round draft choice. And he'll, I think very quickly be a, uh, a starter in the NFL. So you're looking at their ability to run the football is right on par with what Notre Dame can do in terms of what they've got. And, and they, they ran for 400 yards. They, they had a kneel down at the end of the game that took them to 399. They ran for 400 yards against Virginia Tech last week. And Virginia Tech's front is not awful. So <laughs> that's uh, that they, they, can, they can really run the football when they want to. And those two backs are going to be a handful for Florida State's linebackers. And they'll, they'll try to get them isolated against Florida State's linebackers in the passing game as well. Both those guys can catch. Williams, in particular, very good receiver out of the backfield. So uh, you take that and then you combine them with the passing game that really was the headliner coming into the season, unless you really knew the North Carolina program. Everybody's talking about Sam Howell. And Howell obviously would be the starter at Florida State if he was there. And he was the, he was the main target for Willie Taggart. At, to, to be the guy this year. He would have been the guy last year. Uh, and one of the top freshman seasons in, in, the, uh, in the country last year and has showed that he's still a player this year. So And they've got a group of receivers and, and Brown and Newsom and Corrales and the rest that, that can all play. Brown is the deep threat. Newsom is more of the uh, slot guy who does all, most of his work underneath. But they, they can really, they've, they've got some receivers who can give you trouble. I don't think... Their receivers are really a mismatch for Florida State's corners, but they're good enough to be open to get open and good enough to cause some to uh, to to at least make some plays in the passing game. And again, Howell can really spin it. And quite frankly, I think North Carolina has three quarterbacks on their roster who would all start at Florida State right now. It's it's just amazing that things are at this situation. But Howell would obviously be the starter at Florida State. I think Jace Reuter would be the starter at Florida State. He was a guy that, that Jimbo Fisher was recruiting. He wound up uh, going to to uh, North Carolina over uh, over Florida State. Florida State was his uh, one of his runner-ups. Uh, and he would, again, he would be the starter at Florida State. I've, I've watched him in practice. He very nearly beat Howell out last year. So, and uh, you know, you're looking at a sophomore, uh, a, a redshirt sophomore who basically the guy can play. And so he would probably, he would almost certainly be the starter at Florida State this year. And Jacoby Criswell, their freshman, also would be almost certainly the starter at Florida State right now. Uh, might not have beat out Purdy if, if Purdy were healthy, but uh, 
Criswell overall probably would be starting at Florida State given the current circumstances. So, I mean, that's that's an amazing thing when you think about that. And they're going to match up against a defense that just gave up 353 yards rushing and has not been able to stop anybody in terms of run fits. And that's something that when I went back and I looked at the defense from uh, the, the Notre Dame game, it was in many ways worse than I thought it was. Now, scheme-wise... And in terms of what they're asking these guys to do, it was actually encouraging because that that staff had the right call on repeatedly. But over and over and over and over again, you saw guys who were in position to make plays that just didn't make plays. I mean, the, the first long run, Janarius Robinson ducks his head, doesn't bend his knees, doesn't bend at the at the hips, just lowers his shoulder, ducks his head. And just flat whiffs in the backfield, even though he was unblocked, should have been a, a tackle for a loss for you know maybe two three yard loss. Instead, it's a sixty five yard run. And then the the second long run, and and there were other other factors in play. I mean, uh, the backer ran out of his gap. Marvin Wilson got washed down the down the line of scrimmage five yards. So you know that opened a, a huge seam. Once Robinson did miss that tackle in the backfield, there's a huge seam for him to run up uh, run up the field. So you had that. And then the second big play in the first quarter, they, they just ran standard counter tray. And Florida State had the perfect blitz on to, to fit against the counter tray. Should have been at, at most maybe a one-yard gain. Probably, I you know, if everybody had done their job, probably a one-yard loss most likely. But DJ Lundy came too wide, didn't didn't box it correctly, didn't uh, meet the uh, the puller correctly with physicality in the backfield, tried to run around the block. That opened a seam, and then Dix, who was they had they had the young linebackers on the field. Dix completely missed his hole. He just ran right into the back of his blocker, never made it to the hole, and the back just took off straight through that giant hole. That was the result of two guys just flat out missing their assignments, and the defensive line getting washed inside a little bit. So, once again, tons of problems from Florida State just in terms of run fits, and then North Carolina abused the linebackers in the passing game. Just having having they they had difficulty with their match principles. They they didn't recognize route concepts, even the most simple route concepts like a mesh a mesh play where you have two guys running shallow crosses and it's designed as a pick play. You you had the right call on to stop that, and guys just absolutely found a way to butcher it. That was the first touchdown. It's just that's Florida State's defense right now, and until Florida State shows me otherwise, I am not going to believe that they actually can get their run fits correct. And against this team, that is basically the kiss of death. North Carolina is going to score some points. If Florida State can't play way better than they did up front and at the linebacker position against Notre Dame, North Carolina is going to threaten to put up even more rushing yards. Sam Howell barely need to throw, but he will throw. They'll, they'll find ways to make sure that he gets some plays, but yeah, that's that's the situation. It's not a good situation for Florida State defensively. It's a bad matchup because of that huge offensive line. And one other thing to think about that right off that right side, as big as those guys are, and they were pull. They would they they ran a number of plays where they pulled also Azudu that that left guard, that giant left guard. They pulled him, and he moves so dang well. They would pull him and and run to the right side, and North Carolina running to the right side of the formation. So anything to the right of the center last week against Virginia Tech averaged over 14 yards a carry. That's insane. Over 14 yards a carry on every carry to the to the 
right side of the center. Now, there are a couple big plays in there that bring the average up a little bit, but that, w- that, that was not all just, you know, a couple weighted, weighted down or weighted up by a couple big plays. They dominated to that right side. So Florida State's going to really have to handle that side of the offensive line and some of the stuff that they're going to do with some gap blocking, bringing Azudu and sometimes Mont- Montillas, who's the, again, the backup left guard, they'll, they'll rotate him in, but basically they'll, they'll bring some of those, those left side guys to the right side on some pulls and it's devastating. And if you don't fit it just right and you don't fit it with physic with physicality, those guys are huge and they will find they, they will create space and those backs are good and they'll find it. So it's a bad matchup for Florida State. And until that, that defense shows me otherwise, I see no reason to expect them to stop the run. That's just, it is what it is at this point. I'm going to pause for just a second. Thank Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida for his continued sponsorship of this show. If you need any sort of real estate transaction in Jacksonville, give Louis a call. His information's in the show notes. All right, so moving over to the defensive side of the, of the ball. This is where Florida State has a chance to actually do some things, uh, bounce around and do some things, because North Carolina defensive, defensively just does not have great personnel. Uh, I think they've got one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, Jay Bateman, who uh, you know I've had a chance to interact with some, and I, I think the world of him. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator, uh, one, of the, one of the best young minds on the defensive side of the ball in the game. I think he's a future head coach. Uh, very organized, very, very smart, understands how to put his players in positions that maximize their uh, their capacity, maximize their ability, and uh, and minimize how much of the stuff that they're not able to do that that uh, he's asking them to do. He's he's very good at that. Uh, very good. He's he's one of those guys that has a very good sense of what teams are are likely to do. He's got a really good uh, intuition in terms of being able to project based on prior tendency, and uh, and so that that helps. But he is working against uh, his personnel a little bit this year. They they still are thin defensively. Uh, in in particular on their defensive line. They just don't have a lot of players up front. They play a hybrid defense. Uh, it's sort of, it's marketed as positionless. It's not really positionless, but what that means is that they'll drop just about anybody in coverage and they'll bring just about anybody on a blitz from almost any formation. So uh, they, they will they will do a lot of things that other, other programs may not even show. A lot of stuff that's similar to like what you'll see from Clemson these days and Iowa State. Uh, Bateman was one of the first people doing that, along with John Heacock at uh, Iowa State, and uh, they, they they're very creative and very multiple on defense. But again, they don't have a ton of talent uh, defensively on their defensive line. I like Tamari Fox, fifty six, but he's he's small. He's maybe two seventy five at the at at the one five technique, three technique, and if you get your hands on him. You can move him a little bit. He's still he's still developing. He's a sophomore and still developing in terms of his uh, of his play strength. And uh, he's somebody that you can move a little bit in the run game. Their nose tackles probably their bell cow up front in terms of defensively. He's two hundred ninety five pounds and and is country strong. One of those guys that uh, uh, you see him pushing the center three four yards back in the backfield a good bit, and they'll ask him to two gap to take both a gaps a good bit. Uh, at, at a time, at a time to try to free up a linebacker, especially against a team that runs the quarterback like Florida State does. Uh, but the other, in the other tackle, uh, fifty-two, Jalil Taylor. He's a big guy, but he's not as strong, especially if you're if you're running zone concepts or anything that is asking him to move laterally at all. He, he loses his play strength some there, and uh, and and you can run it at him some. And he's not a threat to rush the passer either. So, uh, so they they 
in their in those are their three main de- uh, defensive linemen. They're usually in a two defensive tackle setup with an outside linebacker slash defensive end hybrid, Tamon Fox, who's the other real player on their defensive line, uh, number twelve. And you know he's he he can rush the passer some. He's not super quick, but he's quick enough. Does a good job of bending the edge, and he's very very strong. Some of you will, will recall uh, him as the guy that uh, put Brevin Jordan on his back in a run play against Miami last year uh, that I put up on Twitter, uh, comparing that to uh, Florida State's uh, Durden uh, Corey Durden at defensive tackle up against Jordan and the different result there. So a very strong guy. Uh, good against both the run and the pass, and, uh, and and can handle some things pretty well there. But again, they're not that big up front. They can you can run on them on their front, and they're not, and they've they've struggled to get a lot of pressure unless they bring the, the linebackers. Now the linebackers are the strength of their defense. Uh, Chaz Surratt, 6'2", 230 guy. Actually, I, I think he's closer to six three. Uh, so I, I'll say six three two thirty. He's a guy that is going to be a high draft pick, you know, first, second round grade, most likely Uh, still misses too many tackles, still learning the position a little bit after moving from quarterback, but super fluid. Uh, They kind of use him as a Derwin James kind of piece where they put him at, at edge sometimes to rush the passer. They'll rush him up the middle. They'll put him at safety. They'll do all sorts of different things with him, moving him around the defense to take advantage of his uh, unique skill set. I mean, he's really, really, uh, Really, really quick and fluid at that size, uh, and would be the best linebacker at Florida that Florida State's had in years if he were at Florida State this year. Not only so, both of their backers actually, I think they've got three linebackers that would be starters at Florida State. Uh, Eugene Asante, the backup to Surratt, who they often bring on the field to allow Surratt to wander at some other position. Asante would also start at Florida State, and Jeremiah Gemmel, forty-four, who's their Mike backer. he also would start at Florida State, and he's more straight line. So I think you can. I think it'll be interesting to see if they try to get a matchup with a back or someone against him who's going to try to make him move a little bit laterally in space and try to maybe get a big play there. That's something that I would do if I were Mike Norvell. I would try to isolate someone in coverage against Gemmel, uh, not in a vertical stuff, not in vertical stuff, but trying to get him moving laterally. Uh, because I can get some space and then my guy can escape. Uh, so, so either way though, those guys are are the strength of their defense, and it's really where they get uh, they they get their their most uh, support in the running game and also most of their pass rush. Uh, but they have to blitz a good amount to get their pass rush. So that's that's a positive. That is a positive for Florida State. Uh, their best corner, Storm Duck, who is an All ACC candidate, is out with a with a foot injury, uh, and he is being replaced by a guy that actually is. A guy that that last year, going into last year, had a high NFL draft grade, but he tore his ACL in September, and so he's only eleven months removed from that, and still still learning to how how to move on that on that leg. Not quite as strong as he was, not quite as fast as he was just yet. Uh, that's number five, Patrice Rene. So if you're going to see them go after anybody at corner, it's probably going to be him. Just knowing that he's still not one hundred percent from the uh, from the ACL, still getting there physically. Uh, the other corner is a, a transfer from uh, from Clemson, who is a really good player. I mean, he 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 was he didn't just transfer from Clemson because he wasn't going to play. He transferred from Clemson because he was probably going to get moved to safety. Uh, and he's a guy that actually can play corner uh, and is an NFL prospect at corner or safety. Uh, big guy runs really well. Kyler McMichael, uh, Florida State recruited him hard. They've got corners. Uh, the, the real place where you can hurt them is at safety. 
when nine or two are on the field, particularly nine, who's again also coming off of a leg injury, if nine's on the field, expect Florida State to target him uh, in the passing game and try to get something over top. He just it does not move quite as well yet as he will once he's fully recovered from that injury. So that's really where the, the offense can come from. And given what Virginia Tech did against them last week, Virginia Tech was able to run the football on them, particularly with the quarterback. They used a lot of the quarterback run game and a lot of the same concepts that Mike Norvell uses as well. I mean, remember, Fuente was at uh, was at Memphis before Norvell, and a lot of the stuff that Norvell does is actually pretty similar to what Fuente does in the running game as well. So there are some similarities there, uh, and you can bet that both sides have studied that Virginia Tech tape quite a bit in terms of facing the North Carolina defense and what, what Florida State can do to take advantage of it. So that's something that I would expect to see a lot of. Uh, a lot of the quarterback run game, trying to neutralize those linebackers by getting an extra guy, uh, an extra an extra, uh, an extra extra uh, blocker from one of the backs, blocking a guy like Surratt as a lead for Jordan Travis. And that's something that I think you can get a little bit of an advantage on them doing that more than against a lot of teams because they depend so heavily on their linebackers. So the quarterback run game is something that can hurt them. Really, you need Travis to be able to do that and stay healthy enough to be able to throw it some to have some success in this game. I think uh, what you're basically going to see is a very similar game plan to what you saw against Notre Dame. Run it as much as possible. Use Travis as the main weapon in the running game and then periodically take a deep shot. And they'll try to take some deep shots and take advantage of a couple of those safeties. They're not going to want to take advantage of four, the the free safety. Uh, He also sometimes is at at nickel. Uh, But whoever the other safety is on the field, whether that's two or nine, that's Chapman or Kelly, that's who they'll they'll try to target, I think, uh, with with some formation and trying to get those guys into one-on-one matchups. Uh, and again, doing some things to get uh, 44 in, in coverage as they want as well. So that, that's really where they're going to target. I think there are some plays to be made. Uh, this is this is a really good North Carolina team, but it's really very offensively heavy. Uh, and again, the personnel just isn't there yet. They've got a very they've got a, a very talented group of youngsters and they're they've got an even more talented, arguably, uh defensive recruiting class coming in this year. So they're going to be a, a, a real problem in coming years, but they're, they're about a year away, two years away defensively. Uh, they're already there offensively in terms of being competitive with anybody in the conference that this offense, this North Carolina offense is as good any, as good as anybody else has. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and actually I would probably take this overall North Carolina offense right there with Clemson. They're, they're competing with Clemson for the best offense in the conference. So all that said, this is not probably the most encouraging podcast for Florida State fans, but it is what it is. Uh, I think that this is a game that, you know, if Florida State finds a way to win this, you got to tip your cap to Mike Norvell, who's a really, really good coach. Uh, and that would be further evidence of how good a coach he is, because really the matchups for Florida State in this game are not the best. Uh basically Carolina matches up with some of Florida State's biggest weaknesses, things that were expected to be Florida State's strengths coming in. You know, it it should have been strength on strength with the Carolina offensive line and running game against Florida State's defensive line and their ability to at least stop the run. But it is what it is. The matchups are not great. And ultimately, uh, you know, I expect there to be some problems there. Carolina, by the way, has had some issues on special teams a little bit. So there might be a play or two to be made there for Florida State. It's worth mentioning. 
All right, going to go ahead and take another quick break before uh, talking about some conclusions and uh, predictions, and, and then we'll wrap the show. So I uh, want to go ahead and thank Shenandoah Newsma, realtor from Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill and Carborough, North Carolina. As always, if you have any sort of real estate transaction that gets that needs to get done in the state of North Carolina, give Shen a call. She'll hook you up. Even if she can't do it, she'll hook you up with the best people in the business. She's very well networked. And if you're getting a, a, a house in the research triangle area, give Shen a call. Nobody else is going to outwork her and certainly nobody more uh, knowledgeable than Shenandoah Newsma. All right. So we're talking about what to expect in this game. I mean, I honestly, uh, I think that this, this is about as bad a matchup for Florida State as you could as you could ask for defensively. I mean, they scored 56 against Virginia Tech last week and could have scored more. Uh, you know, they they actually knelt down in the reds uh, in, in inside the five yard line. I mean, they could have punched it in for 63 very easily. Uh, averaged 9.9 yards per play against Virginia Tech last week, and it's not out inconceivable that they could average something like that against Florida State. Uh, I don't think they'll quite get there. I think uh, I think you'll see a little bit more competitive game than that. There were there were some signs in the second half against Notre Dame that certain things were starting to get fixed up just a little bit in terms of run fits. And if Florida State does take a step forward in fixing some run fits, then they physically they they should be able to match up a little bit better against North Carolina than uh, than Virginia Tech up front, and and could give them a little bit of trouble. And and if they can at least force them to throw a little bit then this game gets a little bit more interesting, especially since Howell has had some trouble uh, against pressure. He's had a tendency to lock in on one guy, and that's Daz Newsome. Uh, and he has had some difficulty coming off and throwing to the to the correct hot read at times against pressure. He, he, he likes to stand in there and try to hit sort of his pre-snap read rather than making the immediate adjustment after the snap. And that's something that happens. You know, it's, it's a transition you have to make as you become more of a veteran player and you see more looks. But uh, and he hasn't quite taken that, uh, made that stride. But ultimately, I think Florida State's going to be outclassed in terms of North Carolina's offense against Florida State's defense. I would expect something like seven yards of play for North Carolina in this game. Uh, if Florida State can hold North Carolina under six yards of play, that is a that, that's an accomplishment. That's a really good offense. And uh, yeah, I mean, heck, under six yards of carry in the running game uh, would be something that I would actually regard as rather encouraging, which is amazing that things are there in the Florida State program. Uh, and then as far as the other side of the ball, I do think that Florida State can more or less equal what uh, Virginia Tech did, which is 5.4 yards per per, uh, per rush and 6.4 yards per play. I think they can get over six yards per play against this North Carolina defense. Uh, you know, the, the, there are some plays to be made, even with the and Terry out. I think they've got some receivers that can give some, give some, uh, give Carolina some difficulty in the middle of the field, in particular against those safeties. And uh, there are plays to be had against this North Carolina defense, despite how well coordinated they are. Uh, and I think somewhere around six yards per play is kind of the expectation. If they go above six yards per play, then I think it's a successful outing for the offense. Uh, and, you know, you just got to take that. And then, you know, you're hoping for a couple turnovers, maybe a special teams play to keep you in the game and, and put you in position to win it. Florida State absolutely could win this game. I mean, they, they still, in terms of talent, these two teams are basically in the same tier at this point. Uh, Florida State, I think the uh, the roster rankings 
uh, were just released on 24-7. Florida State was 16th, including a couple players, uh, Fagan and uh, DJ Matthews, who are four stars who are no longer on the roster. North Carolina's 22nd. So they're roughly comparable in terms of, uh, of talent on the rosters at this point, though North, North Carolina's is a little younger and Florida State's talent is a little bit older. Uh, the, the quarterback position is really where things are, where the biggest gap is, uh, along with some of the stuff on the line of scrimmage. But overall, I think that's where things sit, where things stand. I give North Carolina about a 75%, 80% chance of winning this game somewhere in there. And I'm going to go with Florida State losing this game. North Carolina, 45, Florida State, 31. And I was really tempted, by the way, to put North Carolina in the 50s. Uh, they, they absolutely couldn't score in the 50s here. Uh, and I, I just don't see Florida State being able to sustain quite that that much. So that's that. We'll go ahead and wrap here. I want to thank Garage Makeovers also for their continued sponsorship. If you need any sort of garage in uh, South Florida, they're the people to uh, to do it. They are the number one rated garage remodeling company, according to Angie's List, in both Broward and Palm Beach counties. So if you're in those counties and you need any sort of work on your garage, Garage Makeovers is the place to be. Information in the show notes. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>